Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Arnold Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now here is Pastor Arnold Murray. Good day to you. God bless you. Say, welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this family Bible study hour. We're ready to get back in our Father's Word, Book of Revelation. Let's talk about that just a little bit again. Remember, Revelation, regardless of what language you want to say it in, means the uncovering, to make known. <clears throat> Don't ever let some individual tell you it's not to be understood. Why else would Christ have given it and, and interpret it himself? whereby a child can understand. So don't ever let some man tell you that. And, and another thing, in chapter 1, verse 10, John was taken to the Lord's day, which how long is the day with the Lord? A thousand years, which means what? The first day of the millennium. And he was to write the things that would have to happen, happen after that first day of the millennium and things that would happen just before that first day of the millennium. And in this second and third chapter, he's written a letter to seven churches. And those seven churches, only two of them please God. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know, hey, I want to be in one of those churches that Christ loves, that Christ is not unhappy with. And that happens to be Smyrna and Philadelphia. So, well, how, there's no churches by that name today. Well, there possibly is, but it's, the, the name doesn't have anything to do with it. It's the content of what they teach because one is a second witness to the other. So you wouldn't miss it. So you never want to go to a church that doesn't teach included in its um, uh, uh, lesson, in its teachings, in its doctrine, the doctrine that was taught by Smyrna and Philadelphia. We'll be getting to Philadelphia here in a moment, and maybe that'll clarify some for you. But if you're not in one of those, if your church doesn't teach what those two did, you're in a heap of hurt. So come with me to the first day of the millennium and listen to what John was showing just before and after because you're approaching that time, and it's exceedingly important to you to today. Okay, chapter 3, verse 6. Let's pick it up there and go with it, and then we'll get right into the Philadelphia. Verse 6, and it reads, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And the Spirit, of course, is God's Spirit to each of those churches, the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, that's brotherly love, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Now, that's the key you want to have. And in this church of Philadelphia, you have it. Well, what is it a key to? Well, listen just a moment. Verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, 
and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. Many people are not going to keep the word of God. They're going to take part in the great apostasy and denounce the name of true Christ for false Christ, Antichrist. And, and if those that teach and they have the key that opens the scripture of Almighty God to know the difference between the fake Christ and the true Christ, you're blessed. And certainly you will never, ever be deceived. So this key is a very valuable thing. It's the key of David. Gives you the, the genealogy of David through which Christ would come, the true Christ, the true word, for he is the word. Don't ever, ever let some man take you away from the word of God, including the book of Revelation. It's extremely important in this time, in this generation, especially at this season. So uh, never let someone rob you of that, claiming, you, otherwise you're in the church of this old Jezebel back in verse 20 of the last chapter that claimed to be a prophetess, claimed, claimed to teach God's word, but she was lying. And those that said, God sent me, God said, I didn't send them. They're lying to you. So always stick with the substance that was taught in Smyrna and Philadelphia. Well, let's find out what, what was taught there. Verse 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, claim to be of our brother Judah, and they're lying to you. They're not and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. You know, this, this, is, a, this is a very extremely important thing. I could not emphasize enough how you want to be aware of this. And naturally, he's talking to the sons of Cain, known in the Hebrew tongue as Kenites. That's the way you trace them in the very manuscripts and, and good old King James itself. But what many people don't realize, the Word of God has warned us about how exactly we're going to gather back to Christ. No ifs, no ands, no maybes, but exactly how it's going to be. Christ himself taught us in Mark 13, don't let anyone deceive you. I'm not returning until after the Antichrist appears. And then as we study in this book of Revelation, you're going to find out that the Antichrist appears in the sixth trump, and Christ doesn't appear until the seventh trump. Now, most people can count. So naturally, what does that say to you? The false Christ comes first. Well, weren't we warned about that? Of course, he told you you were warned about it. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It is written there exactly how we gather back to Christ. You may hear these stories of flyaway doctrine and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that. Paul would say in chapter 2, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together into him. Meaning this is how you're going to get together with Jesus Christ. No other way, no ifs, no ands, and no maybes. Exactly how it is. And he continues on. I'm going to pick it up here in the third verse in a moment. You'll have it on the monitor. But he says then, don't be shaken in mind by spirit, by that first letter we sent to you, First Thessalonians, where a lot of people get their so-called flyaway doctrine. Don't let that shake you up. 
Stick to the truth is what he's saying. And then we pick it up in verse 3, if we may. This is how it happens. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The great apostasy, that's what that word is. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, there's only one son of perdition. Oh, what does that mean? Well, perdition is a polyae. Do you know whose name that is in the Greek? Satan. And Satan is the only person by name that has already been sentenced to die. He will not have a judgment at the great white throne judgment. He's already been judged even in the first earth age. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. Okay. So you don't have any other sons of perdition. There's only one. So there's no, no ABC on this deal. Multiple choice. Uh, and it's interpreted for you. So you'd better accept it. Otherwise, the door has been opened to you and you slam it shut. The truth is open. Don't slam the door. Listen carefully. Let no one deceive you. There's going to be a falling away. Why? He's claiming to be Jesus and a lot of ignorant people are going to run to him thinking he is. What does he do? Verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And you know something? As we'll find out in the 13th chapter of this great book of Revelation, he performs miracle that really sucks the people in. I mean, he takes them hook, line, and sinker. Christians right along with them, with his lies and deception, and people not having studied the word of God to keep the correct chronological order of events. Of, and, and even when the Word tells us exactly how we're going to get back together with Christ and what must transform first, they're still deceived, taken in. See that you're not. Verse 5, Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. We talked about it over and over. Verse 6, And now you know what withholdeth that he may be revealed in his time. You have the seed line. You know who the Kenites are, those that claim to be of our brother Judah. And you know that they're lying. And you know how to spot him a mile away. Verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. You can see it every day. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. You're going to have a lot of would-be so-called Bible scholars that could, they, they couldn't um, understand anything because they're going to slip the church in here. There is no article for the church. The church is not the subject. The verb is what is important. It is a transitive verb, which means to understand the verb, you must transfer back to the subject of verse 4. Well, who was that? Well, it was Satan, of course. Well, who's holding Satan? When we get to the 12th chapter, you're going to find out. Michael. And Michael's going to throw him and all of his angels right out on this earth. Woe to you on earth when that happens. You want to pay attention to God's Word. You see, you're warned about everything. And God protect, His protecting hand over you every step of the way. If you listen to Him. 
Don't let anyone ever deceive you. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's Satan's role as false Christ. He'll still have another role at the end of the millennium, but that's the last time he'll get to play little Jesus. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Hey, he can do it. Snap his fingers and lightning come from heaven. We'll, we'll read of that in Revelation 13. You know, that's going to deceive a lot of people because he is supernatural. He does have many powers that will mystify people that are not learned in the Word of God, not taught properly. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, going into the lake of fire, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. The simplicity in which Jesus Christ teaches, they just can't accept it. They want to mess around with those of the synagogue of Satan instead. You know, I guess they like to be lied to. Do you know how God will help them out if they choose that route? Listen to it. Verse, verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie. If they want to be, if they want to be deceived, God will help them out. It's to teach them a lesson. Verse 12, to complete our readings here that they all might be damned who believed not the uh, truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, I don't think anybody wants to play the fool or be made a fool of. And that's what happens there if you don't, when, when he takes that key and opens that door of knowledge to you and documents it in Scripture, surely you can accept that as a truth and be saved from that hour of temptation when Satan is tempting people, and instead of finding him tempting, find him to be an abomination as he deceives our people. I mean, little old Christians that are have sit on a church pew all their life trying to do what's right, but never taught, and they rush to him calling him, Jesus, Jesus. And he's Satan all the time. But why? Because they've been lied to, haven't been taught God's Word. Well, and, and you know what would happen with uh, many places for what we're teaching right here? Oh, brother, that's too controversial for our church. Then your church is not going to make it. Because that's what the two churches that do make it teach. So you, want, you need to question yourself. Are you being robbed? Or are you hearing God's Word taught? This is why Jesus said just in a verse or two back, I'm going I'm to bless you because you've kept my Word and you haven't denied me the true Christ for that fake. For that you get great reward. The choice is always yours. What a time to live, to be a champion of your people, to stand up for the truth. Satan cannot harm you because God looks over and after his own. Returning then to chapter 3, the great book of Revelation, verse 10. Listen carefully. Because thou hast kept 
the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all. How many, how many was that? All of the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. To try them in what way? To see if they read this letter that God has sent to them. To know many of them are going to be deceived because the fakes come in first. Are you going to stay true to the true God, our Heavenly Father, the true Son? Or are you going to be deceived? You're going to allow yourself to be tempted. We escape the hour of temptation because we have the seal of God in our forehead, which simply means His Word. This Word is sealed right here with that door open that no man can close and close and no man can open if so desired. A truth that stands on its own, for its own, and by its own. For the true living God who brings blessings on the whole world, see that you're not deceived. That's what this testing is about, to see if people can be tempted. Or have you read the letter? Do you understand the word? That's what, that's what it comes down to. And, and so it shall be. Verse 11 to continue. Behold, I come quickly. And when you're taken to the last, first day of the millennium, it won't be long. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Don't let some man lie to you. Verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. That is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful statements in the Bible. I'll explain in a moment. And he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Isaiah 62, 4 lets you know what that is. Hezbollah. I mean, my beloved, and the land Beulah, which means married, because the wedding will have, been, will have taken place. How precious it is when you know and understand the living Word of God. Why, why is it that people would come, the, even the Kenites would come and worship at your feet? Do you think they're worshiping you? The answer is, of course not. Where are you? You're at the feet of Christ. And even the Kenite, on that first day of the millennium, every knee shall bow, even the Kenites. Why? Because they see the power. They see that he is Messiah and that the game is over. By the end of the millennium, some of them will still slip away again. But how, how is this that you, I said you, become a pillar? Do you know what a pillar is? That holds up. That supports the temple of God. But wait, wait, wait. There's something even yet more beautiful. For when we get to chapter 21, verses 20 through 24, you're going to find out that there is no physical temple there. That the Father and the Son are the temple thereof, and you're a pillar holding that up, holding those arms up, being a part of it. You cannot understand the nearness and the, and the closeness of God any more than that as a reward to those that stand against the evil one to be a pillar 
in the temple where the Father and the Son are the temple thereof. What a time to live. You're, you're in it. It is so vivacious, so moving, so exciting to read the, the signs of the time and see these things coming to pass before our very eyes, those doors wide open of truth showing you that truth. Walk on in. Never, never deny the true Christ. Stand against the Antichrist. Find him an abomination rather than a temptation because you have eyes to see and ears to hear to know the fake from the true. There is no way that one of God's elect who stood against Satan in the first earth age, that's why it is written in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, I chose you before the foundations of this earth age. Why? You did it then. You stood against him. You couldn't stand him, Satan. You stood against him. And so you got the courage to do it again. Don't let him see you sweat on your first cruise, my friend. Be ready. Get the gospel armor on and in place. You got no problem. You got nothing but blessings. How exciting it is. Hespelah. God saying, she's my beloved. Beulah. She's married. Done deal. Never let anyone rob you of that. It's coming. And it is ever, ever so very precious. Verse 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is why you want to open the, the eyes of your mind, your spiritual body, the ears to your spiritual body, and hear the Holy Spirit of Almighty God speak to you through this letter he's written to you. The simple truth. You know, I'll say it again. It's so simple, a child can understand it if you'll get rid of all the mix up that men stir the water and try to make it muddy to you. You can't see through it. Let the clarity come and understand the word of God. That gives you the second church that Christ was pleased with. Well, what did it teach that the first church Smyrna taught? To know those that claim to be of our brother Judah and do lie or into the synagogue of Satan because Satan is coming and he's going to play little Jesus. We'll document that over and over through this book of Revelation, just as it's documented over and over, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and many places in John, many places in the Old Testament, that the chronological order of events. The thing is, have you ever read it? That's the question. Continuing on, that completes the two churches. We've still got one more church. You sure don't want to be a part of it. Let's read it. Verse 14, And unto the church, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things which saith the Amen. That's that. Okay. The faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God. Um, he that was there in the beginning and he that's going to be there in the end, uh, are you going to be there with him? That's the question. Verse 15, I know thy works, he says, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. I wish you would do something. You're, well, I'm just afraid to make a move one way or the other. 
If you won't make a stand for something, you won't you stand for nothing and are good for nothing. You have to either get on or off. Love the Father or love Satan. Which is it going to be? Make your mind up. But here's one that just just let me get by. Just 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 let me work from one paycheck to the next and never bother me with religion. Don't want to make any big moves or brash movements. Do you know what God does to this church? Least, the least liked of all of them, quite frankly. Why? Because of what follows. 16. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Boy, that's a, that's a tough way to go, my friend. And you know, there will be people in that church that will think they're on the right road and find out that they are so repulsive to God that he would just like to spew them out. You don't want to be there, my friend. You want to be in one of those churches that teach who the synagogue of Satan is. Verse 17, Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You haven't got anything if you're rich in the world and you're poor in heaven. In the eyes of God that you never make a stand, you got nothing. Verse 18, <clears throat> I counsel thee. This is counsel from Almighty God. You can't buy any better advice. <clears throat> Excuse me. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. This means let your deeds be tested by fire. Do your, do your spiritual deeds amount to straw, wood, uh, brass, or gold? silver or gold. In other words, they're going to be like tested by fire like an assayer would do in the furnace. The good is left and the bad is burned off. You can be rich and very popular in this world and have not one iota going for you as far as salvation is concerned or overcoming this world. All of that stuff is, when it comes to you going to heaven, is worthless. It's not worth anything because you're in a totally different dispensation um, uh, anyway. And therefore, um, uh, you have to understand that 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 is rich is tested by fire and it, it stand, God is a consuming fire. And his own can handle that, okay? And, and we, continue, we continue on then as gold tried in the fire, and that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with the eye salve, that's a polis of spiritual truth, that thou mayest see. There's only one way you can see. Now, do you understand, we'll find out in the 19th chapter, in the 7th and 8th verse, what creates this fine linen we wear in heaven. And you'll know why these people are naked. God wants to spew them out. 
can't stand them. Your raiment in heaven is woven together by your righteous acts makes the fine linen that covers your nakedness. That's why doing what's right. That's why you'll find in the 14th chapter of this great book in the 13th verse, the only thing you can take with you to heaven from this, this um, dispensation of time or dimension is your works. Your works go with you. That's something you stood for, stand for, and God blesses you for. And that weaves together that fine linen and you're no longer naked. So it is one thing to be street smart, to know your way around in this world, know how to handle it, overcome it, conquer it, but yet be rich in the Father's eyes whereby he loves you and understands you, would never spew you out. Why? Because you're his child. How precious it is that our Father loves those that love him. You need to get your eyes set spiritually to, so that you can see the truth. Well, wh what is this polis or isav? It's the word of God. When you put it into your mind and absorb it to see the simple truth of salvation, of defeating the enemy, it's a pleasure. 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I'm going to keep you straight. But be zealous, therefore, and repent. When you do something wrong, repent of it and get it back in the traces. Get them tight. Keep working. 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Sup giving you spiritual food for your mind whereby you can withstand. That's what he will do. A lot of people say, well, He's out there begging me to cut. No, he's not begging you. You got to ask him to come in. You got to do something. He doesn't just act because you're the prettiest. You got to ask him to come in. And then he will come in and he will sup with you and you with him on the very word of God, the truth, the manna that amounts to something, the food from above. 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Can you understand the pillar a little better here? That you become a part? Hey, it doesn't get any more blessed than that, my friend. It's almost overwhelming to think of the love of our father for his children when they obey him and earn that right to be that pillar. Verse 22 to complete the chapter. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He's reasoning with you. He's talking to you. Do you have an ear? Can you hear truth or have you, have you been uh, covered so many times by traditions of men that God's word is kind of made void for you. You don't really have time for it, brother so-and-so. Well, grandpa always said, grandpa may have been a great guy, but it's what God says. He's your father. It's what God says that matters. What grandpa said that you can document in the scripture, that's beautiful. I hope you had a granddad that could do that. But 
many times, if it's just traditions of men, you want to break away from that. And, you know, if you can't understand the scripture, sometimes you could get a child to read it to you and ask the child, could you, what, what do you get from that? The child will most often be accurate. It's that simple. I, I don't want people to think I'm talking down to them when I say that. I truly, with all my heart, believe the simplicity in which Christ taught. If you'll just relax, open your eyes and your ears and receive it. Turn that key in the lock and swing that door open and ask him to come in. Don't miss the next lecture. All right, bless your heart. You listen a moment, won't you please? Genesis 146 the first six chapters in God's Word. The world that was. Did you realize there was a world age before this one? Same old world, different age. The creation itself. When were the races created? You see, all the races were created separately, and you'll find that documented in these particular CDs. How and what was the sin in the garden? It will be discussed in this series also. This is a must for the serious Bible scholar, for if you do not understand how it was in the beginning, you certainly will never understand the end. I think you will find this series very rewarding and certainly will answer questions that no doubt you have always wondered about. Genesis 1.46 Hey, I know you're going to enjoy this series. And there we are back again. Let's have the 800 number, please. 1-800-643-4645. Hey, that number is good from Puerto Rico, throughout the U.S., Alaska, Hawaii, all over Canada. If the Spirit moves, you got a question, you share it. Won't you do that? Please never ask a question about a particular reverend or denomination or organization. We do not judge people. We have one judge, that's our Heavenly Father, and boy, does he do a good job. You have the right to spiritually discern who to fellowship with, who to listen to, use it, but always judge that discernment by the Word of God. Let that be your, your instructor, the Word of God, not some man, and listen to your Heavenly Father. Those of you that listen by short wave around the world, it's always a pleasure hearing from you, and your announcer at the end of the hour will give you our mailing address. Got a prayer request? Hey, you don't need that number. You don't need an address. Why? God knows what you're thinking. Always does. You don't even have to say it out loud. You're special to Him when you follow Him. You know? Could it be that you're even one of those pillars? Think about it. Let the Father know how much you love Him. Father, around the world we come, we ask that you lead, guide, direct, Father. Touch in Yeshua's precious name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, question time. We're going to get right into it here. Suzette from Florida. I've been told by many Christians that once you get your salvation that you can never lose your salvation. Is this true? Answer, no. Are there requirements to keep your salvation? Yes. It's called repentance. Okay. Can you lose it if you have no regrets of what you do? Probably you would. If you have no regrets, you're not going to repent because you don't feel you have anything to repent for. But you see, here's, here's the way this figures, and you, you, Hebrews chapter 6 makes this very clear. Who does, the sal, who does the saving? It's sure not man, 
It's sure not some preacher. It's sure not some church. It's Christ. He paid an awesome price to be able to forgive your sins on the cross with his blood. And he did that once. Therefore, the salvation is there, but you have to earn it. Well, what do I do? You repent. And that puts you back in good standing. But you can sin enough and drift away enough that you're going to go to hell. It is a, a man that would teach all you have to say is you're saved and you can do whatever you want to. He's is hell bound. Because as it would tell you in Hebrews 6, what are you trying to do? Recrucify Christ every time you sin over and over and over? It's not Christ's fault, it's yours. Uh, you don't get saved again. You repent and ask him for forgiveness. And that way, your salvation is made sure for that moment. But you've always got to repent if you sin again. Linda, for more, that's, let me tell you something. That's only common sense anyway. That's family. That's the way a family operates today, and that's the way Christ's family operates forever. Linda from Oregon, how long is the millennium, and how long are the earth ages? Well, the, the millennium is a thousand years, and you can document that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. The earth ages uh, are millions of years old. Man does not have an accurate way. We know through carbon dating that you can't even get there with carbon dating at the millions of years of age this earth has from the first earth age, okay? So, and, but we do know that there are three different ages. The first, this one, and the one coming. Second Peter chapter 3 documenting that as well as many other places. Jerry from Arkansas, in the Strong's Concordance, can you explain from the Hebrew word Adam, 120, what it means? Another, a hypocrite, a common sort, a low man, man of low degree, or person. Well, because man, Adam, you're really missing the main part. The main meaning of Adam in the Hebrew tongue is ruddy-complected, or to show blood in the face, okay? Um, that's what the meaning is, but it means man. And you're going to find one of each of those types. The word man itself, many times translated in the English, the word in the Hebrew manuscripts is Adam, because it means man. There's good men and there's bad men. That's why... Uh, it's according to each individual as to whether it's low, ornery, mean, or blessed. It's up to the person. But they're all, if they are of that one, Adam, they're ready complected. Otherwise, there are races created on the sixth day. And they too are blessed if they love the Father. Tiffany from Tennessee. How do you know if you are one of the elect? Can you be an elect if you commit a lot of sins that, but have repented? Of course you can. I mean, look, take Paul as an example. Boy, you don't, I mean, he persecuted the church, I mean, maliciously with vengeance, with zeal. 
and, and then repented. God struck him down. He repented. God forgave him. No one is perfect and all come short of the glory of God. But on repentance, you make yourself known to God. God's elect all know that the Antichrist comes first. God's elect, you can mark them, it will be a person that has compassion for family. You can tell them that they stick out like a sore thumb, but, but a beautiful person to be around in, in most of all cases. And they are chosen by God before even the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 4. David from Arkansas, if you don't overcome, but do indeed study, will you be taught during the millennium for a second chance? Well, actually, there's no such thing as a second chance. It means you didn't learn enough to even have a first chance coming out the gate. God loves his children. There are some children that God himself sends the spirit of slumber or stupor upon, whichever you want to translate it, Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Do you think that if God sent the spirit of stupor upon and slumber upon somebody where they couldn't see the truth, that he's going to send them to hell without an opportunity? Of course not. And God will give them that opportunity. Um, you see, it, it has to do with what the unpardonable sin is. If one of God's elect does not, as it is written in Mark 13, allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them against the Antichrist. That's unpardonable. Luke chapter 12, verse 10, documentation. But uh, that's why God, sometimes people just don't have it. He blinds them. They'll be taught in the millennium. God loves his children. They will all have an equal opportunity to find that truth. Reg uh, Reggie, Regin, I think this is misspelled. Um, I'll just leave it there from Texas. When do people receive their punishment for their wrongdoings? What's well, according to whether you repent or not? You can do something wrong, and if you repent, it's forgiven. You're not punished for it. But in a sense, if you punish the flesh, Let's say with overindulgence. Well, we'll go with alcohol. I mean, if you if you um, sin and and uh, overtake of alcohol the next morning, you can repent all you want to, but your old head's going to be that wide, and when the cat walks across the floor, it's going to jar the house. Okay. There are certain things that God kind of well, just like the one of the last verses we read. Those I love, I chasten. I fix their wagon. Okay. Why? To straighten their act out. Okay. So there are certain things of abuse that you, um, you'll still pay for. But major sins that you repent of and mean it, you can't con God. They're, you don't have to be punished. You're forgiven. Julie from Texas is it wrong or does it cause one to sin to watch movies like The Passion of Christ? My husband bought this movie when it first came out and we watched it a couple of times. If it upsets father, it's, it's not. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good teaching tool. <clears throat> and um, um, 
and, and a work that's pretty well done. At least it meant well and was well. So there, there's no way that can be considered um, a sin. Okay. Um, Richard from Texas, are all Kenites possessed with an evil spirit? No, of course not. You know, uh, to be possessed of an evil spirit is to actually have an e evil spirit in you from the fallen angels, from Satan, or from above. You know, that's what an evil spirit is. But Kenites, many of them um, have accepted Christ and are now children of God. So that, that's, um, you want to be careful when you say who has an evil spirit, all right? Many people will think that if someone has a nervous breakdown, that they have an evil spirit. There are many things that causes a nervous breakdown. Health, nutrition, uh, injuries, other than an evil spirit. This is why that discernment is very important. And you need to analyze and, and get to the cause and and uh, discern from there what the problem is. Richard from Texas, question, I think we just had one. When the millennium begins, a number of God's children will be on the wrong side of the gulf in paradise, right? Will they come to earth for the Lord's day? Yep, they'll, they, if they had no opportunity, they'll have an opportunity to learn truth. Will those on the good side of the gulf remain in paradise till the eternity? <clears throat> That's up to our Father. Many of them he'll bring back with him as teachers. For as it is written in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, many of them will reign with Christ, meaning teach for a thousand-year period, which is to say the Lord's Day. Uh, Colin from uh, Louisiana, I have a question for you. What, what form will the fallen angels appear in when and when they do when they do uh, fit in the timeline of events during the end time where do they fit in the timelines of, you know what you're going to find out when we get to the 12th chapter that's when satan and his angels are kicked out of heaven by michael so you wait till the 12th chapter and you'll find out chris from georgia Whenever the bride of Christ is spoken of, who are they referring to? They're, the bride of Christ is the virgin that waits for the true Christ and isn't deceived by the fake. The fake comes first. And how many people know that? If you stick with us through this book of Revelation, you're going to learn that the fake does come in the sixth trump. And most people can count. The true Christ doesn't return until the seventh. There are actual events that must transpire. And not maybe, not perhaps, they must transpire before Christ will return. And those events must, must come to pass. And they shall. Again, this book of Revelation will help a great deal with that. Mark from Oklahoma. When someone is in the transition of passing, do they see who was with them at the time of passing? Uh, you know, it is very difficult for one to judge that. I have, being a pastor, have been at the bedsides where people spoke.
to someone that I could not see, but in the transition of going from flesh body to spiritual body, they could see them. I could not. And they spoke to them. I could not tell you whether that person answered or not because it was in a different dimension. But in the eyes of the one uh, that was transition, uh, transitioning, I could see the recognition of the person. It's usually someone they trust a great deal, maybe, that God sends to take them through that way so they're not afraid. I don't know. I've never been there, uh, but um, I, I have been at the bedsides when people in the transition saw that happen. If you ask Father to tell them something, do you feel, he, oh, you don't, uh, I don't think it's meant that we should speak to them. Uh, and if you, I don't understand whether you mean one in the transition or what, but um, they're there. That's real. John from Michigan. My first question is, am I being selfish or sinful because I ask God to help me with my lung disease so I may live a long life? No, it's, you, know, you can petition God with whatever you wish to and let him know you love him while you do it. That's, there's, that, there's no way that could be a sin. Okay. My second question is, is it wrong that I am not afraid to die, but I am not ready, but I'm not ready to die, and I ask God to make it quick if it is my time, and I do not want to suffer? Well, let, let the Father know. Talk to him. I want you to make a note of Isaiah. I do this quite often. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 26, where God says to you, remind me of my promises. Let's talk about it so that I can justify you. So reminding him of his promises that you know, to be absent from this body is to be present with him and that you want a nice ride. Tell him and uh, request it. Make it known. You know what would help a great deal? Let him know you love him. And whatever he wills, you're ready for it. If he heals you where you go on, fine. If not, you're ready for that too. Um, Marilyn from um, Illinois uh, Marilyn, never be discouraged serving God, okay? You and your husband need to remember Romans chapter 11, verse 29. When it comes to giving up, you can't give up. Romans 11, 29 lets you know that God's gifts are given without repentance. As a ministry, you're still responsible to keep plugging, to keep teaching that word. But a lot of times... Uh, you want to really be sure, you know, um, I'm, I'm an old farmer rancher and I like to take care of God's animals and I learn a lot from animals. And I know in the wintertime and even with wild animals that if you feed them, they will come. If you feed your cattle, they will come. And so it is with the church. If you feed them the real truth without any shortcuts, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, they will come. 
and and you will be quite happy. <clears throat> Abel Alden from South South Dakota. Pastor Murray, you have said that when you die, your soul and your spirit goes back to the Father. Yet on your tape, Soul and Spirit, you state that the spirit goes back to the Father, but the soul remains with the grave. Can you clarify this for me? I hope I didn't say that. If I did, I misspoke. Okay. Because um, the soul, being yourself, which the spirit is a solid, welded part of that soul. They have to stay together. Why? Because the spirit is the intellect of the soul. The soul returns to the father that gave it, and this flesh goes into the grave. It's never heard about. It, it goes back to dirt. That's all it is. And uh, you don't need it again. I, I'm, I'm going to think maybe you misunderstood. I'm going to hope that you misunderstood what I said. Uh, I hope I didn't say that because it would be untrue if, if I did. Andrew from California. If the, if the word God is a title and not a name, then why is God's name God? It's not. You, you don't know God's name? <clears throat> Moses found out. God sent him down and Moses said, Hey, who, who am I going to tell them sent me? And he said, you tell them I am sent you. Which, this makes up the sacred name, I am that I am. Which, which come, the etymology and, and the consonants comes out Yahweh. That is his name and God is his title. Uh, you know, it's according, to, linguists have to be very careful because many times Yahweh or Adonai, or El Shaddai, or translated God. So in teaching, many times we will draw, call it to your attention. Uh, these are God's names. And um, some, of, some of them, such as El Shaddai, is, it really is, has a special meaning, a very special meaning of tenderness. It has the love that a mother can have for a child and, and in, in the sense of feeding, like breastfeeding. And I'm going to deceive, I'm going to mess a lot of people up right here. And the womb, which is supposed to be the safest place in the world, that God would be called that. And that's a title, really, of love and protection and feeding feeding you truth. But, but his name is Yahweh. This is why Jesus, in, from English to the Hebrew, is Yeshua, which means Yahweh's Savior. Uh, George from Illinois. Where in the Bible does it say that Cain is not Abel's son? In the genealogy. Adam's son, rather. I said Abel, didn't I? Uh, <clears throat> it, it, is, it states very clearly in chapter 5 of the great book of Genesis that Cain is not Adam's son. But why? Well, it's not in his, it's not in his genealogy. Well, well, why wouldn't he be in his genealogy? Because he wasn't his son. You'll find Cain's genealogy in verse uh, chapter 4. Uh, that's, that's not um, a, a very, a child can understand that. Okay? You read it for yourself. 
Margaret from Texas, how do you take communion when you're by yourself? Well, you, you serve yourself. There's nothing wrong with taking communion by yourself, but take the sacraments or you can take it with us. Soon we'll be taking communion for Passover. We'll be doing it on television. You're welcome to join us. I'm out of time. Hey, I love you all because you enjoy studying our Father's Word. Most of all, God loves you for it. It's His letter to you. And, and uh, when, when you take it serious and really study it sincerely, He many loves you. It makes His day. And when you make His day, boy, is He going to make yours. We're brought to you by your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, you help us keep coming to you. Once you do that, you bless God. You know what? He will always bless you. Now, <clears throat> most important, really important, that you stay in His Word every day, in His Word, even with trouble. Still a good day. You know why? Because Jesus, Yeshua, He is the living Word. Hearing God's Word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's Word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Arnold Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast audio tape, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a tape catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645, 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at this same time. Thank you for watching today's program, and God bless you.